0: She sounds like a great choice for another publisher. Right now, we are focused on blockbusters. It's not the time for literary fiction. Seriously?
1: You're not even going to read the book?
0: The board will be reluctant to disrupt a proven formula. Chicago wants bestsellers. James Patterson charts higher than literary
1: debuts as business. And I'm sorry. Sounds like you've already taken a personal interest in her. No, you're right. This isn't the right fit for Empirical. If Millennial was still the flagship, we probably wouldn't even be asking for approval. Millennial loved nothing more than young, green authors. But this is Empirical, isn't it? It is. Right. We humbly withdraw our proposal. Apologies for wasting your time.
2: Welcome to Heller Good, The Younger Podcast. I'm Sheila McGam.
0: And I'm Emma Good.
2: Tonight, we're discussing Season 7, Episode 6 of Younger. This one is titled The F Word.
0: The writer for this episode is Sarah Choi, and it's directed by Jennifer Arnold, Sarah Choi previously wrote the episode "The Debutante" from season six, which is obviously the famous episode from where Pauline told everyone lies a secret about her real age. Now that was a turning point in this series.
2: Ooh, that was such a bombshell moment and really changed the sh- the dynamic and the tone of the show. So it's interesting that they brought Sarah back for this episode, seeing how we're at the halfway point through this season. And there were definitely some bombs being dropped here tonight.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: But before we get too far into this episode, you should definitely check out the Spotify playlist that we've created. It's the name of this podcast, The Heller Good Younger Playlist by Pod Clubhouse. It's some mood music to help you wait the days in between new episodes. So, Emma. Emma. Some things have been brought to our attention through the Twitter sphere and some good old fashioned conversation. Way back in episode two, the book idea character's name was Fupa, Fupa Grunhoff. And now I can't stop saying Fupa. I was not aware that that is an acronym. It is known as a fat upper pussy or pubic area. And then I saw a TikTok video that it shouldn't be called a Fupa, it should be called a Cooter Hood. And I'm not sure if I'm okay with talking about this. Um, I had a C-section back in the day, and I feel like I identify a little too closely here. <laughs> so yeah, so that was brought to us by a listener on Twitter who sent a message.
0: Yeah, I'd never heard it before. Have ha- Have you? No, this is the first I have heard of that. Like this, I must be like completely out of the world of new words because that is definitely not one I'd heard of before. <laughs>
2: I feel like, like we're having a Liza moment here, you and I, where she, back like back in season one, where she didn't know what IRL meant.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not always up with the acronyms and things yeah. in the modern world.
2: <laughs> I'm good with like BRB, I'm good with different things. But yeah, FUPA, I I did not know about. But then I, you know, through the course of looking things up, if you're Beyonce, you celebrate yours.
0: I feel like Beyonce celebrates everything. So, you know, she's Beyonce. Why wouldn't you celebrate?
2: Well, I mean, like, if she has one and I have one, then I feel like, you know, like, we're kindred souls. So so I feel like we're earning our explicit rating here today in this episode. There's, like, a whole bunch of words we're not supposed to say on television, but that's okay. We just get an E next to our, our show drop. So then through conversation with a friend of mine, there are a ton of, like, Broadway peeps that the show has been employing. And we, we mentioned Kelly Barrett last episode. She's the one that's playing Camilla, the insanely hot wife for Maggie, right? So there's a few more that a friend of mine, she, she told me, she says, oh, she goes, you know, Megan McGinnis from uh, Little Women in Space back in episode one is Megan McGinnis. And she is actually besties with Sutton Foster. Oh, ah. yeah. And now looking at more of these characters, Redmond is actually the actor who plays in Michael Urie is a Broadway star as well. And KT the love interest um of josh is played by anna viafanie and she made her broadway debut very recently prior to covid we call it bc i call it bc before covid um as gloria stefan in on your feet i'm sure there's more but, <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> but those really are the, like cool. the big
2: ones yeah so you know with broadway still being dark as we're in covid times still I like the fact that the show is reaching out and definitely employing Broadway stars as recurring characters.
0: Yeah, it must be difficult for them at the moment, having sort of no other opportunities of of doing their jobs, basically. That's great that they're, you know, getting some work out of this, at least
2: yeah so I had this conversation with my friend Kristen Smith so I got to give her a big shout out because she's the one who she actually pulled the um the show bill to show me Megan McGinnis and Sutton Foster who were in Thoroughly Modern Millie together back in 2002 so I have to give Kristen some shout outs because she was listening to our podcast she said she's listened to every single one she loves it she loves our dynamic so I was like thank you I'll give you a shout out on the show so thank you Kristen
0: yeah we definitely appreciate these little bits of trivia
2: yes and uh so yeah so keep the comments coming if we miss something like like a fupa if we if we make a fupa please (laughs) let us know (laughs) fupa fupa that was that was my reach for a pun
0: i think you did well there
2: Oh, thank you. So yeah. So if we don't mention something that you definitely have noticed, please reach out to us. We're on Twitter, Pod Clubhouse, Shields McAngsta. You can reach us uh, through all the things through, and Pod Clubhouse is easy is the easiest way, and that's how that Fupa comment came in through Pod Clubhouse. So we appreciate that.
0: There was quite a bit that happened in this episode. So should we dive in and get started?
2: Yeah, let's go. We assume that you've seen the episode. We talk about this episode. We don't necessarily like recap it. We kind of ask questions and discuss what happened to the characters. And definitely go have watched the episode before you listen, unless you like spoilers. So Emma, let me ask you, what was your highlight this episode?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if it was necessarily a highlight, but I'm not sure I'll ever get that memory of KT wearing a nappy while she was waiting for Josh out of my head. I mean, it was... <laughs> <laughs> just not what i expected would happen but um anyway what was your highlight because that was something that really stood out to me from this episode
2: <laughs> that, that's a great highlight um for all of you who are not fluent in your aussiesms. nappies or diapers my highlight was with camilla airdropping the photos at the dinner party is airdrop a verb it is yeah, now for i have, christen- we'll it. I have christened it I've christened it so. I Apple words, you know, routinely find their way into my uh, my autocorrect. So I'm going to say air dropping is now a word. So the air dropping was my highlight because Maggie just looked so uncomfortable, and Lauren was just reveling in this moment. So just the play between the two of them, Lauren getting carried away with herself, Maggie just like looking mortified, like knowing that she's going to either be killed or fired at any you know minute, was definitely a highlight for me.
0: So given we're talking about Maggie, should we just keep going with discussion about Maggie and her little love triangle that's happening between the Dean, Maggie, and, and Camilla?
2: Yes, please. I am living for this this story arc right now. I, I just don't know where it's going to go with Maggie, but it, it can't end well. But I just know that she's going to handle it with her own like usual grace and poise and, and her Brooklyn wit.
0: I'm intrigued to see where this goes but I feel so sorry for Maggie she clearly doesn't want to be stuck in this situation and she's not encouraging it in any way shape or form and yet I just feel like she's going to be the one that gets the ramifications of this because it's going to be discovered at some point Camilla's just being too risky with for her behaviour.
2: Yeah, this can't end well for Maggie, I agree with you so, so much there but Camilla at the same time Is painting herself in a really bad light because no matter what ends up happening, Maggie's gonna get hurt in some way. Either Cass finds out and she loses her job. So either, you know, Cass finds out, Maggie loses her job, or she's gonna get hurt one way or another. And Camilla is really doing Cass a disservice by putting Maggie in this position. Maggie's at a disservice by being put in this position, but like Camilla is. Definitely not to be deterred. She's thirsty for Maggie. I don't know how else to say it. She's this dinner party. Yeah. Is like the the most uncomfortable I think I've seen Maggie outside of the garlic clove incident last season.
0: Yeah, but the garlic clove was funny. This was not necessarily. Yeah, this was not you know, funny. Yeah.
2: But in, just in terms of her looking so um so uncomfortable and so not at ease with the situation, and this is not a realm that we're used to seeing maggie and she's usually the calm one the voice of reason she's not easily rattled she's just she's so out of her element and so feeling like she's going to get like caught at any second i just really felt bad for her at this dinner party so tell me what you thought about Lauren at this dinner party with Maggie.
0: I'm not sure Lauren was the best person to take along, to be honest. She seemed confused as to why they were there because she's like, yeah, let's like organize to go and have the weekend away. And, and then she was like at the end going, oh, my God, she's totally after you. And I'm like, the whole point was to lessen the flames, not inflame them. <laughs> you know, I feel like Lauren did the opposite. <laughs>
2: We want to keep Horny out of the equation.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, so. Um, and it
2: kind of backfired in a big way.
0: Yeah, I, I think Laura misunderstood what her purpose was in being there. <laughs>
2: Well, I think this is where Lauren just gets caught up in the moment and she's just more excited to be part of the action that she loses herself in the moment. Right. That she figures that, of course, we want to go to P-Town. We want to, first of all, calling Providence P-Town just like just to play on everything. I'm just like, oh, God, I can't.
0: Yeah, I, I had can't. no idea what that place was that they were talking about.
2: <laughs> uh, Rhode Island. It's a couple hours drive, maybe three, four hours. Okay, so just to show. I'd short say four trip. hours because there's always traffic. But yeah, so like, I feel like Lauren, just being her vibrant, you know, bubbly self, just really flamed up Camilla's desire and making her feel that Maggie was less available, you know, drove Camilla to jealousy. But I, I have a question. Do you think that Cass knows about Camilla's promiscuous nature and isn't talking about it, or is she completely in the dark? Because either way, it definitely forms my opinion
0: of her is maybe a little bit blind to her wife in terms of how she really is she seems like completely devoted to her herself but i'm not sure if she's fully aware of what camilla is getting up to behind her back or if she is she's maybe turning a blind eye
2: yeah so the reason that i ask is because at the art show camilla is staring at maggie staring at her like and you know Cass is there and she's you know making nice conversation but you can't miss these obvious overtures that Camilla is making even Josh is like who's that like who not realizing you know which which team she was batting for he thought that there might have been a chance obviously you know she had eyes for Maggie so if she's aware of her of Camilla's nature and turning a blind eye well Let's see if she's aware of Camilla's nature and not addressing it to Maggie, that's really not cool. Like it's it's you're you're putting your dinner guest, you're putting your worker in a position where like, you know, something and it would just be something like, oh, yeah, we have an open relationship or whatever it ends up being lean one way for Maggie. At least it would like lessen her anxiety. Yeah. But if she's in the dark, I feel worse Because then, like you said, like, she's completely devoted. um, Cass is completely devoted to Camilla, but is oblivious to Camilla's true nature. Either way, it makes me wonder about her. Like, if you're this astute professor and you're highly intelligent and you're missing these big social cues, like, it also makes me wonder about you.
0: Yeah, but I've seen it with friends. Sometimes they just get blinded by the pretty. You know, they... (laughs) This person's so beautiful, and they can't believe they're with them sometimes, and they just don't want to believe anything else.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. Blinded by the pretty. Absolutely. I mean, there are people who definitely turn a blind eye or they're in denial themselves about this person's nature. But Lauren didn't help the situation either at this moment because she you know with the air dropping of these photos which is my highlight because it was just so, and Maggie's like oh 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 like all these things are popping up she's like make it stop but Lauren's like oh those are her boobs hit accept and it just opened up these floodgates of all these pictures of Camilla sending various naked pictures of herself to Maggie while Cass is like in the next room bringing like the salad course out. exactly
0: I get that and this gives me the impression that they're not in an open relationship like I wonder if Camilla kind of gets off on the thrill of the hidden relationship or the getting away with it, as well. You know, maybe she she likes like the, the
2: thrill of the forbidden.
0: Yeah, and the you know the danger that comes with trying to hide it from her partner.
2: I feel that that's more of what's going on. I feel like that Camilla's more turned on by the the thrill of the the forbidden than. Um, than Cass being aware of it. Like, that's that's where I'm leaning towards because otherwise, why not address the gorilla in the room? Like, the 800-pound gorilla. It, it just, it makes me uncomfortable that Maggie's this uncomfortable. And I just, the way it's being set up, like, I just don't think it's going to end well. I think it's going to blow up in Maggie's face.
0: Yeah. But do you feel like, because Maggie hasn't really sort of responded back to Mil- Camilla going, stop sending this. She didn't seem to do that in this episode. Is, is that something she needs to, to do to say to Camilla... I don't, I'm not okay with this. You need to stop.
2: I agree that she hasn't done it. I don't know if she really had much of an opportunity. If if like something like that needs to be said, like you find a way, you just be like, listen, you know, pull him aside. Be like, this this has to stop. That hasn't happened, and I think that she's just more in panic mode, more than anything that she and. And because Camilla escalated it in such a way so quickly, this episode with sending her the the nude pictures, she's going to have to act decisively now because I think it's going to be too like the floodgates are open now. So I feel like her window to have stopped this is over and it's just, now it's just headed for train wreck status.
0: Yeah, I agree. It was smart of her to take Lauren along because at least then she could have stuck with Lauren and couldn't be alone with Camilla because I feel like if she went alone, Camilla would have found a way to get Cass to go and do something to just have her and Maggie for a little bit, so... Like
2: go break a pipe in the bathroom or something. Yeah, like that. or something, <laughs> or like, like, oh, you need to run proper. to the
0: shops and get something, you know? Like, so I do think at least she had Lauren there to help. Stop that sort of a situation from occurring but yeah, I'm I'm just a little wary as to where this is going because I feel like you you that Maggie's going to end up being the one that has a big fall and you know, I feel this is not really of her own making she's sort of been thrown into this situation without having all the facts initially when she got together with Camilla I feel like she's not particularly done anything wrong.
2: Right, I feel like she's a victim here and it's just it, but it's not going to play out that way It's going to play out that, you know, Cass is devoted to Camilla. She may have done this before. She's been forgiven before. I I have nothing to base this on. Like, (laughs) Just so you know. Like you said, like, you know, people are just blinded by the pretty and you know that the person who sort of is the other woman or the other man end up being the ones who get like left out in the cold and the person who did the cheating, who had all the information, who omitted this important fact to the person that they were intimate with, they end up with less of a a fallout.
0: Yeah, which is completely unfair, but it just seems to be the way it works.
2: I know. Like, so many people I know, like, they take back a cheating spouse or go back to someone who cheated on them. I'm like, what are you doing?
0: I'm just not sure I could ever do
2: that. But I just feel like Maggie's just being set up in a really bad way and... Camilla is definitely escalating things, and there's almost no way that Cass won't find out. Especially when these these pictures are just popping up on her phone. Like it's different if you get a message, like if you get a WhatsApp or a text message, but an AirDrop pops up on your screen, right? You know,
0: <laughs> and you know, unless you turn the Bluetooth off or something, you can't really stop them sometimes.
2: <laughs> right, and well, that's the thing with AirDrop. Like, and then I think once you've accepted from somebody, I think it's okay like they just keep sending you more pictures i don't know if you have to keep hitting except i'll have to try it out here and see
0: yeah i must admit i've only used it a couple of times it's not something i've used a lot
2: (laughs) (laughs) the only other time i've really used it is when like i've been without out with a friend and we were at a concert together and like i did some recordings of like some some of the songs and she did some and we airdropped them to each other because yeah if we if we have to do this later we'll forget
0: Yeah, I've done it like on my travels and things like that with other travelers. Well, sometimes if there's a group photo or something and we've got iPhones, one will take it and then we'll airdrop to the others. So that's about my extent of uh, airdropping.
2: Oh, you used it as a verb. Yay. Yay.
0: It's totally a thing now. Copyright
2: 2021.
0: (laughs) Well, I think we should probably move on to Liza now and possibly even kelsey because uh they started something new this episode what do you think of this incubator
2: i really liked how they turned around this barb that got thrown at them by redmond calling the midlit. now that they're been swallowed up by empirical again i thought it was hilarious that he said oh millennial can't come to the phone right now she's dead i'm like hello tay tay shout out to taylor swift
0: I mean, I do love Redman, though. He just has some amazing lines.
2: <laughs> oh, and his delivery of it, too. It was just like, so matter of fact, it was like, oh, you guys are the, the mid-lit niche. And they were like, wait, what? So I like this—is that this is how they rebounded from that. But how do you think this is going to play out now at Empirical? Will it be seen as the asset that Millennial was? Or is it going to be treated more like a rival? Is that like what Mercury became?
0: Yeah, I was worried initially it might become a rival like Mercury. But then Charles... You know, they found an author at their first event that they really like and and think she's worthwhile investing in, and Charles just wasn't interested. The fact that he sort of already turned away the first person they found makes me think, you know, Empirical is definitely down this easy money, blockbuster, books, don't want to take any chances – um, sort of path, whereas the incubator is the complete opposite. They're wanting to find the new voices, find the next generation of writers. Uh, so I don't feel it's going to be the rivalry like Millennial and Mercury were, because then they were competing for the exact same people and books and and things like that. Whereas this does seem to be a bit more like, you know, where Millennial had its own brand, the incubator, I think, will sort of have its own brand and style as well so they could be complimentary but at the moment it seems like Charles is just not interested at all, he just wants to take the safe path which seems to be the theme of this season for Charles you know, he wants the safe marriage because that's you know means that he knows where things are and you know he's labeled it and it's you know okay we're committed to each other because we're married which I don't necessarily agree with just seeing Camilla and Cass you know just because you're married doesn't mean there's that commitment there I feel like they're going completely separate paths I don't feel they're going to become rivals in any way shape or form which is good but then also will they just leave empirical behind will they just go right this is our new baby where we don't want to be part of this midlit empirical company anymore we want to be finding the new voices um, and maybe that's going to be a permanent split between them all
2: you know there was such a spark from Liza I felt this episode with the onset of this incubator idea it's been missing this season like I really feel that she's you know she's recovering from this devastating breakup and I feel like this was her you know she had the, the, the emotional outburst last episode and I feel like this is the first time that she's kind of stepped back into her, her own skin this season you know there's been a lot of commentary like on like the Facebook groups and stuff like that you know Liza's really flat this season that, you know, there, there's a lot of dynamics, you know, di- the Diana dynamic, the fact that she's not in this episode again, and now we're halfway through the season, you know, that there's there's a lot of things that are flat. So like, I felt like this was like the first episode that she was really busting back out into her old personality, getting that excitement back that they had with millennial with developing that brand. Charles was so fast to shut down this book notion this whole idea really he shut basically down the whole incubator idea like we're looking for like you know the blockbusters we got you know Chicago wants to follow the proven formula I gotta tell you I've read some James Patterson books and they're so boring I'm sorry, James Patterson. I know you sold a billion books, but I want to read a story about a girl from Queens, her mom, this coming of age story, because like, those are people I know. I I grew up in Queens. You know, these are people that I know, you know, the mom born in the seventies, having a, you know, a child of the the millennial, right? It's something that I identify with. I would not pick up a James Patterson book if my life depended on it at this point, because there's so many better things to read.
0: That's so true, and I mean, I remember. Remember when Dan Brian, Brown was the the book was the author? Yeah, the author. Everyone read. I think I read two or three of his books, and then they were just the same story over and over and over again. They definitely followed the same formula every single time. And the first one, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting, but then after that, it was like you knew what was happening, and what was the point in even reading it?
2: Like he's going to get locked in a place where the air is going to get sucked out of the room. But through some miracle, Tom Hanks is going to survive. (laughs) But, you know, there there's definitely a market out there for different kinds of books. But Charles is being pigeonholed into this formula by his investors. So but the other thing that I was thinking about, too, is. Like Charles's reaction to their incubator book was right after this explosion the night before with liza at quinn's event is his criticism of the book and their formula valid or is he just reacting to the events of the night before
0: yeah i mean it could be a little bit of both and i think you've if say you ask the character charles if that's what he was doing i think you would say no he's just doing what's right for empirical but, you know, sometimes we unconsciously do things without realising that's the reason behind it. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest, but it's it could have fed into it. But I think it's just really, like you said in Episode 5, he doesn't want surprises. He wants life to be as it's expected to be. And I feel like, you know, if he goes down this path with a new author, he doesn't know where it's necessarily going to end up and... I think at this point in his life, he's scared to take those chances.
2: Right. And he's not the one calling the shots anymore. But I just feel like it was a very convenient veil to hide behind or curtain to hide behind, saying that, oh, well, Chicago wants these, you know, these blockbuster formulas. Whereas in previous seasons, he would give Millennial the ledge to walk out on and let them prove themselves by doing the backflip off of it and then, you know, sticking the landing and making a perfect 10 with these books. Whereas now, I just feel like it's probably about 50-50 at this point. Like, I feel like in some way, he wanted to hurt Liza, get back at her for meddling in his personal life or or seeming to, to get in between him and Quinn. I'm leaning more towards that, and I don't want to because Charles is definitely a good guy, but I feel like he's also been really hurt. This is his way of kind of showing his power.
0: And that's what it really seems to be like, you know, he has all the power at the moment. I know he still has to talk to these investors and they've always been very clear that they were quite conservative, not sure if they really wanted to go into publishing and that. But it is nice that they've got investors that aren't necessarily in the office each time and try and disrupt their day-to-day work like you know Quinn did and like that tech billionaire in one of the earlier seasons did where he was trying to make people have hot desking and all sorts of things that you know they did not want to be doing (laughs) you know previously he did talk about wanting to find great literature and, and things like that and I kind of feel he's lost that person this is his way of recovering I think from what's happened is that I just want things to go and be predictable and I don't want to be surprised and this is sort of the path he's gone down but I think he's kind of lost some of himself along the way.
2: I think he needs like a come to Jesus kind of a moment with himself that he because Liza had her moment this episode where she you know with the incubator and you know finding this author and just being so passionate and finding that passion again for her was so important. He's becoming very flat Mm-hmm. Again. And we said that like season six was really his breakout where he became multidimensional. And I feel like he's gone flat again, even with Quinn in like in the dynamic between them, he's still often standing alone at a party. He's not engaging with any of the other characters outside of Quinn for the most part. So we don't get to see anything of what's going on inside of his mind. So I feel like he needs his breakout moment. Like I call it a come to Jesus moment, but he needs to do something that's gonna shake him up in order to bring back the spark, the fire that he has as well he's he's also hurting he's also recovering and even though he has quinn he's still when he looks at liza when he talks to liza there's still an enormous amount of hurt so he's got to he's got to find his incubator moment his the thing that's going to jar him back into to reality or at least into the multi-dimension that uh that we we're used to seeing him in. yeah
0: because he just seems to be just going along with things rather than driving things
2: Yes, he's more reactive than being proactive. Yeah. yeah, I agree
0: with that. Yeah, so I have to say, though, with this incubator, I thought the idea was amazing. They did talk about this, you know, this was because kind of Liza's idea, and she talked about the Algonquin Roundtable. Is that something you had heard of before?
2: I did not hear about an Algonquin Roundtables.
0: So. Yeah, I looked it up, but I must admit still was a little bit confused by it. It seems to be people used to, a group of people used to get together and have lunches and they, you know, were writers in magazines and newspapers and things like that and had a, you know, kind of a impact on society would sort of influence their writing from these lunches and things like that. I didn't know many of the writers from this, but it seemed to me, I've recently been reading a bit of Ernest Hemingway through a book club. And in that, some of the people in my book club taught me about Gertrude Stein and the salons that she used to hold in um, Paris and they would have people like Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald Pablo Picasso I think Matisse also used to attend where you had like you know these artists, these writers all coming together and discussing art and literature and would influence each other's work and that seems to be you know the idea of this incubator as well is like Liza said talent finds talent
2: that's so interesting about the salon. I didn't know about that with Gertrude Stein. And I mean, like Matisse, Pablo Picasso, Ernest Hemway, F, F. Scott Fitzgerald, they're such forces of, of art and Gertrude Stein in and of herself so the fact that they would get together and there would be like this this sharing of ideas like I just love that idea but no I hadn't heard of the Algonquin Roundtable so thank you for doing all that research
0: yeah well it just sort of like got me intrigued I was like what is that but but even just watching it, it more reminded me of what I knew about Gertrude Stein and her salons and they even refer to it as a salon at one point in the show as well mm-hmm. so You know, I I like the idea of that, of artists, writers and that getting together because, you know, we've got Josh hosting it and he's an artist. He's amazing with his tattoo art and and things like that. So it's just that all those creative people coming together and creating more out of it rather than just being on their own. Collaborating can always lead to new ideas that you didn't think of if you're just in a room on your own.
2: Right. Like imagine if like you or I were just doing this podcast by ourselves and we were just talking about the show. We would miss so much. There's so much richness in having a conversation with somebody and just sharing an idea. And imagine now if you're creating literature, if you're creating art, you know, whatever your form is, if you get a new influence, you see things in a different way. Imagine what that could do to your own creativity just to kick it off in another tangent another avenue i love this idea i i hope that they find a a million books out of this because like just the one story that they found and the author she was so cute dylan park with her story about her mom and her in Queens. Like I said, yeah. you know, Queens is near and dear to my heart. So if anybody ever wants to do a book about Queens, come see me. We'll, f- we'll figure a way to bankroll it. But no, just the amount of talent in the room. I mean, some of it was good. Some of it wasn't so good. You know, we heard we heard a, a varying degree of things. But like you said, talent finds talent. They said that in, in, in the show. And it's true. So somebody, you know, up there might spark Josh to to come up with another page in his lookbook. You know, I just, I love this idea, the grassroots nature of it. Like you're always going to find good talent. You just have to know where to look.
0: And I think this is
2: just another avenue to find, you know, places to look.
0: It was nice seeing Liza and Kelsey find the love for their job again. I felt like that's been missing a little bit in the previous episodes that, you know, they're excited by the work they're doing now, even though it's not officially... In their job I feel like this is going to go down a great path I just can't wait to see where it leads to They just seemed so dynamic again And just, you know The the way they were working together Seemed fantastic But it was also nice to see josh a little bit more involved because i feel like we're not seeing him a lot in these episodes and certainly not really seeing him interact that much with kelsey or or with kelsey and lauren because he lives with them but maybe not so much with liza we're not seeing him interact with her so much and this is one of the first times we sort of see them together i think since the first episode like they've been a little bit catching each other in passing but not really spending time
2: there really hasn't been much interaction between them at all. You're you're 100% right.
0: You know, as we said before, we're halfway through the season now. We do know that I'm a Team Josh fan and I'm not feeling positive for the future of Team Josh and Liza getting together. Um, it just feels like they've really found a good friendship now. I'm not seeing the flirting or longing looks that maybe we used to see from them. I feel like the love triangle this season is more between... Queen Charles, and Liza, and Josh has sort of been pushed to the side a bit. I mean, even as a character, he's had a bit of a storyline, but I feel like we're not really seeing Josh much at all in this season so far.
2: I think that's a really interesting observation, and I agree that there's definitely a diminishing of his character. He's, he's more of a supporting character as opposed to one of the mains from the previous six seasons and i agree that the love triangle dynamic is definitely between quinn charles and liza she's she's hurting he's hurting and now he's got quinn and she's just going to make everyone hurt but it's interesting because i am i too i'm team josh yeah when you brought this up in you know in our show notes and things like that i was just like they really have sidelined him as a character so they sidelined diana they you know, zane is obviously him and kelsey broke up so he's he's out but you know diana we you know we talk about her a lot we we miss her we miss her dynamic and there are things about this show, this season that are, I don't know if they're like struggling because you and I talked about it a couple of episodes ago. The focus is less about Liza and her age, whereas the show has been wrapped up in this for six seasons and like it was a well-honed story arc. I feel like this season is struggling to find its direction. Is it Josh? Is it Charles? Is it, you know, somebody else? It's just like for every episode so far it's been somebody else Josh has been marginalized Diane has been nowhere to be found Charles is becoming one dimensional again so there's a lot of there's a lot of validity to like some of the criticisms that I'm seeing this season I feel like they're missing the opportunity to to deliver on the richness that this show has enjoyed for six seasons Josh being one of these rich characters Maggie to a certain extent is, you know, taking less of a role too even though she has her story arc here. It's not going we just know it's not going to end well for Maggie. We're going to be saying goodbye to these characters in six episodes. I don't know. I don't know where the season is going. I feel like it's a bit rudderless. Trying to really enjoy these episodes because it is the final season, but when you brought up the that That notion about Josh being like more of a side character and like the love triangle dynamic, it just it set off something in me where it's just like, these are the things I haven't been enjoying. But I feel like we're getting some of it back. Like I feel like, you know, Liza with her spark back this episode. Yeah, but there hasn't been any any of that flirtation between Josh and Liza. They've barely been on screen together. I agree with you with that. I'm hoping that the season kind of gels in the back six. The first six have
0: struggled. It's certainly not the direction I thought the show would go in. Like you have said again and again, Diana is a big part of the show. And you don't think anyone realized how big a part she was until she disappeared. The dynamic of it is just so completely different. There's still the fun bits with the books that they have and things like that I feel that tone of the show part of the show is still there but yeah you're right with we not having to hide Liza's age anymore and they don't even really discuss that at all anymore you know any ongoing repercussions that maybe that had uh because it seems like well that was just wrapped up with the ad that she did for infinite 21 Yeah, I'm a bit like you, I think it's a bit rudderless at the moment. I really honestly have no idea how they're going to wrap this up at this point and end up with a satisfying ending for fans. I hope we get there, but I'm a little unsure at the moment if it's going to make it there at this point. But who knows? We're we're only halfway through. We've still got six more episodes to go. Uh, And as we know, a lot happens in every single episode. So, you know, they've got time to turn it around still, I think.
2: I mean, I, I didn't mean for this to become such an out-and-out criticism. There's so much potential for a show like this. And I just feel like they had a lot of time to think about it. And it's its just, there's a lot of things that are falling flat for me. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to beat the dead horse. But like like you said, Diana is such a heart of the show that her presence is looming so large.
0: I tell you, if we don't see her in the show soon, um, I'm just going to be devastated because... I just, you know, we've been promised that she's a recurring character and we're halfway through and we still haven't seen her. How is that possible?
2: Yeah, like nothing. I mean, like, we're going to go to Italy and we're going to kidnap her. Sorry, Enzo, this is, <laughs> is going to stop. Like, we're going to bring her back.
0: Yeah, you cannot keep uh, her forever.
2: No, exactly. She's got to come back to work at some point. Yeah. You know, Lauren's doing a good job, but she's no diva.
0: I mean, no one can feel Diana's shoes really.
2: I guess we'll finish off, where, you know, with Josh, like, because he has like a little bit of, of the resolution, I guess, to his story arc, right? Katie finds out that Josh is a dad. I don't know if I like her response.
0: Well, it wasn't the best way to find out either. I mean, I was a bit confused. I had to watch the episode a couple of times, and <laughs> it was on—I think on the second or third viewing—that I was like, it finally hit me why she put the nappy on earlier in the episode, they'd been talking about, you know, maybe experimenting a little bit. She talked about going to the pleasure chest and all this sort of stuff. And then she's like, Mm -hmm. whatever you're into, I'm into. Because I was like, why would you see a bag on the bed and assume that that's like leading to, you know, some sort of sex thing. But then I realized afterwards, they'd kind of had a conversation about experimenting. And Lauren kind of reacted so strangely when she said, what is this? And I was like, okay, that's why she's gone down that path of wearing the nappy. She thought that's what Josh was into because of the conversation that they'd had earlier. But to find out that the reason that was there was because he was actually a dad and had a daughter, that's not the greatest way to find out your boyfriend is a father. I can kind of understand her reacting the way she did.
2: So the Pleasure Trust is a real place. There's a uh, there's one in Midtown and there's one on the Upper East Side.
0: <laughs> I feel like I may have been there on like a Sex in the City tour.
2: It's very possible.
0: Yeah, we definitely went to some sex store because they're offering you know discounts on the rabbit.
2: Oh my god! <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, everyone uh, remembers that episode with Charlotte and the rabbit. <laughs>
2: that is hilarious. They're offering discounts. Oh my god, they're yeah. probably sold out. Back to KT. So I mean, so she finds this out. Josh had good reason. to to keep it a secret from her. But do you think this is going to change how or when he tells his girlfriends in the future?
0: I hope so. I think particularly when she brought up children and the fact that she didn't want them or, you know, would run from them at this time in her life. I think he needs to be a little bit more aware if he's thinking of a serious relationship with someone. And that's fine if you just want someone that's a booty call or friends with benefits or something and you don't want them that involved in your life. Fine. It doesn't really matter how they feel about children. But if you want to have a long, ongoing relationship with someone, I think you have to be upfront with them fairly early on that you have a child. Not necessarily introduce them to your child immediately, but at least let them know that that's in your life.
2: There's an attraction, I think, of keeping your lives separate. There's dad Josh and then there's single Josh. Sometimes those are going to intersect, but at the same time, he was trying to maybe tap into the Josh that had a little bit more freedom. And maybe he was like, I think we talked about this before uh, in a previous episode that he was thinking like, well, you know, I don't know where this is going. I don't know if this is you know, going to be serious or if this is still just a booty call. I don't know. But at the same time, he's also a dad and there's many times where the unpredictability of children, they get sick mom can get sick and can't take care of the baby there's a million things that could happen you know she has a an appointment that gets moved and it's her day with Gemma and he can take her however it ends up being he gets stuck in traffic he's supposed to drop her to Claire's like there's a million things that can happen so I think it's important that people know early on if you have children or not because it is such a huge part of your life and in terms of like if they want to be committed or not to that person but I'm also a little annoyed at KT because do you think she would have had a different answer than maybe had Josh told her earlier?
0: Honestly, you know, given her earlier comments a few episodes ago, I think whenever he told her, her answer would have been, this is not for me. And and that makes sense. Her life is running around after, you know, a music star and constantly on tour with her and, and all that sort of stuff. Her life is not set up to be Probably even in a you know a long term relationship, let alone a relationship with someone with a child. That is just not the point of time she's in right now. In the future, maybe she will be, but right now in her life, that is not her priority. Her priority is her work, um, you know, having fun doing that. I can't see her changing her life for a boyfriend at the moment with a child. I think whenever I he agree. told her, it would have been no. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think the same thing. And I think that her job is as unpredictable as a parent with a child's is she could be called away to Atlanta for two weeks on, you know, the the drop of a hat kind of a notice. So I don't think that her answer would have been any different, but I think that was just a nice way for her to end it without fireworks, I think.
0: Yeah. So we haven't had a chance to talk about Charles and Quinn yet in this episode. Obviously, the big thing that happened with them in this episode was that Quinn launched her book. Eliza told Charles at the book launch about what she learned with regards to Quinn, maybe using him for her political career. Do you think Liza should have really told Charles about what she knew?
2: I think Liza was trying to come at it from a standpoint of friendship. Whether or not she should have told him is, it's a hard question. Like, I try to put myself in her shoes and I probably would have said what I knew and hoping that the person understood that I was coming from a point of friendship as opposed to anything a little more nefarious or underhanded
0: and she did try to tell him earlier in the episode as well um in the office that Quinn kind of came and interrupted her so she kind of had the idea and plan to tell him all along and then at some point changed her mind she did seem a little bit crazed when she was telling him because she was like don't let her take the children and and that sort of thing you know it, it I don't think she did it in the best way. I think her heart was in the right place. And as we learn later on, Quinn set her up and it was all a set up between Quinn and her campaign manager. But Liza completely fell for it. And it's because she still cares about Charles and the children so much still that maybe she didn't
2: like, think tell it him through? in the best
0: way. Yeah, I'll think it through maybe. Because
2: <laughs> I think, if I, like I said, I think if I was in the position, I would have wanted him to have known so that he could make the informed decision. But I think her letting it go and letting it happen at the event painted her in the worst light possible. Because now it looks vindictive. Now it looks like, what are you doing? This looks crazy. This sounds crazy. There was a lot with the timing that put Liza in a very bad, in a bad light in Charles's view, in Quinn's view. I don't think Quinn would have reacted well to this at any stage, but I think at the event, it just looked wor- the optic of The optics of it were so bad.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, we've been saying all along, Quinn has been not genuine in her interactions with everyone. She keeps saying, oh, you know, I'm going to be friends with you, Liza, and I'm friends with Kelsey, and, you know, I'm with Charles, and I've changed and all that. But this really showed that she hasn't changed at all. She set Liza up. She was... Vindictive in the way she did it as well She had someone else involved in this Situation I mean Clearly she thought Liza Would have told Charles earlier And then she gets the campaign manager to Call her at the event saying You need to do something now Kind of putting her in that Oh my god if I don't do something And it it all ends bad it's my fault Because I didn't say anything You know really pressuring her into That behaviour in a way
2: And also just the fact that Quinn had somebody else plant this story it was intentional knowing that Liza is this good-hearted person this good-natured person who's only going to want the best for her people in her inner circle I can't you know I mean she still loves Charles you know there's there's no ifs ands or buts about that the fact that she went out of her way to plant a story knowing that Liza was fact-checking the book and having her campaign manager pretend to be an enemy plant the story with Liza knowing full well that Liza's going to go through with it. It just paints Quinn in my mind as such a horrendous person. Like you said, she didn't change. She didn't learn anything. She's just trying to sell another book. She's trying to set herself up for bigger and better. And she doesn't care who she stomps on along the way. All of the overtures that she's made to Kelsey, you know, Liza publicly and what she's threatened privately. And even this episode, she threatens it even more. It's just making Quinn look to be such a villain and is the only one who can see it and everybody, else, and Kelsey at some points too is just like, you know, you need to like just stop stirring the pot. But they're not seeing the other side that is seeing and Liza's not sharing that this is the other side of Quinn as well. So yeah. there's, there's that too. So
0: I think the only person she discussed it with was Maggie. I didn't see her discuss it with Kelsey or Lauren yeah. or any of the others. It's really only Maggie she's discussed those issues with. And that's fair enough because Maggie's got no involvement in Quinn's life, whereas the others do and could impact them if they're seeing the full picture. And I think Liza's not the type of person to... I've done that with as well where I've, you know, there's people in my friendship group I haven't necessarily gone or gotten along with. But I don't trash talk them to other people that are in that friendship group because they may see her in a different way. Just because it's my view doesn't mean it's everyone's view. And that's probably how Liza feels, how she has to behave with Quinn.
2: Right, and I just think Quinn is just concerned about winning any way, shape that she can. So she's just going to do whatever she can to keep that upper hand. She's doing a really good job of painting Liza to be this crazed individual. I don't know. I just feel that Liza's being painted into such a corner that it's making her pretty it's making it pretty impossible for her to stay at empirical yeah do
0: you you agree with that yeah maybe that's Quinn's ultimate goal she feels so threatened by Liza in terms of her relationship with Charles the only way she sees it working is if she eliminates Liza altogether
2: I agree and I think that this is where Quinn's not public insecurity shines through that she's threatened Liza in private numerous times now I feel like the gloves are coming off because Liza, you know, almost ruined this event for Quinn and Quinn is setting up her dominoes to fall in such a way to favor her that she's going to have to eliminate Liza as a threat and she's just making it so hard for Liza to be able to stay and Charles is even souring on Liza now too. So the very end of this episode between telling her to stay out of the personal life and rejecting incubator, like hook, line and sinker basically shows that Charles is is being influenced by Quinn's attitude
0: I feel like we've really seen the proper Quinn this time in those interactions where she has in private with Liza that is the true Quinn not this other Quinn that she behaves in front of other people these sort of oh I wanted to slap her yeah at the
2: at the event where she's like oh I love you girls when she's setting up the scholarship fund and you know she's hugging these two children that she's probably met twice before you know, you guys are so influential to me. Uh, it just, like, that person, I want people, I want her to be exposed the way that Liza was publicly shamed in season six for her age. I want Quinn to have the same, if not more spectacular. So, Ch- Sarah Choi, if you're listening, I need you to come back and I need you to, like, bomb Quinn. Do the carpet bomb that you do with your writing, with these bombs that are going off, to come back and blanket bom- blanket carpet bomb
0: Quinn. <laughs> Some sort of comeuppance has to happen with Queen. You know, we saw it in the previous season when she was humiliated on live TV as being outed as knowing Liza's lie, but she pretended she didn't. I feel like something like that needs to come or I hope something like that is going to come by the end of the season. Yeah, she needs a bigger F word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. wait do we drink
2: if we say the episode title do we drink <laughs>
0: yeah, i feel like we should totally have a drinking game for this
2: <laughs> absolutely like uh if they say the episode title in the actual show we should take a drink and they do because like they have a whole party so are, do you know about this this twa lounge that they they had this party in do you no, know about it this? looked
0: amazing i've heard of twa but i wasn't that like an airline from Ages ago. I feel like they're a Pan Am type thing, you know. Everyone talks about them, but they haven't existed for a long time.
2: TWA is Trans World Airlines. Everyone around the world kind of knows them, TWA Flight 800, the one that went down over Lockerbie, Scotland in like 1988,
0: I think oh, it was. I do remember a plane going down there, but I didn't know it was there. Yes.
2: Not long after that, through all of the airline mergers and things like that that were happening, TWA became a bankrupt, defunct airline. But their terminal is at JFK Airport. So JetBlue's terminal now is, they, they built basically, they kept the old TWA terminal. And I want to say it is designed by the same guy who designed the Sydney Opera
0: House. I must admit, I did like the design of the place. I thought the architecture of the building they were in was just stunning.
2: So Aero Saren is the architect who designed both the Sydney Opera House and this TWA Terminal slash now is a hotel and um, convention space or function space. But he designed it, so it's very similar. So I don't think they really did like a big shot of the outside, but like it is very reminiscent of the Sydney Opera House. So a couple of years ago, when JetBlue bought the terminal that's there, they kept it and they refurbished it. Now it's available as a hotel like right at the airport. I mean, like literally across the street from the departures terminal. Um, so I really like that they use this as a space. Sorry to go off on such a New York tangent, but like it, it's a real place. It's right there at Terminal 5 at JFK Airport, so if you're ever stuck at JFK, there is a place to get a good drink.
0: <laughs> always good to know the places to drink at airports. I have had a, mm-hmm. few, a few flight delays that have um, gone on for many, many hours, and a bar is always a good place to while away those times.
2: <laughs> exactly. Make friends
0: exactly well I think we've covered the episode pretty well um,
2: I would say so at the the hour mark that we're at here
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, we you know we usually have a meditation with Maggie do you have one for this week
2: I do so even though her storyline continues to develop she still has time to offer her sagely advice to, to Liza and company so there was a really great conversation between Maggie and Liza at the beginning of the episode where Liza's sounding a bit powerful with the information that she has and she's a little unhinged also with this information and Maggie just tries to get her over that point that bearing the burden is not necessarily Liza's to bear and we'll play the clip here for you let's talk about your problems instead okay what's good with Chaz these days I haven't said a word about Charles no no but that little cartoon thought bubble above your head has a three-piece
1: suit in it and it's bespoke just saying okay fine i decided i'm going to tell charles about quinn if she's actually re-entering politics and using him and his daughters to boost the viability of her campaign he deserves to know Uh uh-huh and if he stays with her then at least i've done my part and he's aware that she has an agenda and if not well then you know he's making a informed decision based on all the facts You don't need to rescue him. I mean, he's not your responsibility anymore. Well, it's not just him. It's the girls, too. Oh, I didn't realize you had joint custody. I have a hunch he'd be nicer in the tweed.
2: So let me ask you. So the point that Maggie makes in that clip about it not being her responsibility anymore and, you know, didn't know that, you know, she got joint custody of the girls being very sarcastic. Do you think that that's a good point that Maggie makes, that Liza doesn't have to put herself in harm's way in order to protect Charles
0: definitely I think it's always hard to let go of someone you love and to move on from that relationship and you want to still be there for them but it's like Maggie says this is not your problem anymore you're not in a relationship with him anymore yes the girls could be impacted but they're also not your children their are Charles and Pauline's children and it's their responsibility to look after them and, you know, who has access to them in their lives. I think Liza's heart is in the right place because she's doing it because she feels like Charles and the girls could be potentially hurt. But they've chosen or Charles has chosen not to be in a relationship with you anymore. You need to move on. You need to sort of detach yourself from them and your relationship with them. And although, you know, Maggie is maybe a little bit blunt in it, I think it's something that Liza needed to hear.
2: I also think this would be a lot easier for Liza if she wasn't working with Charles. So, like, the type of person she is is that she's going to want to look out for the people in her life and she's going to want to do the right thing. And to her, doing the right thing is telling Charles that Quinn has this plan to use his children and him to improve her image And I feel that if she wasn't working with him, she wouldn't have known this information. She would have been privy to this conversation. And it just would have happened in the course of how Quinn wanted that to play out. Right. So she wanted it to be about this scholarship announcement, not that she was running for governor, because if she's running for governor, I'm assuming it's in the state of California where she ran prior. She wouldn't make her announcement at a New York function. Yeah. Right. So, so there's, there's a couple of things that, you know, like if you took a step back and you were thinking about this from a rational mind, you'd be like, well, why would a governor of like a future governor of a state announce in one that's clear across the other side of the country? Liza's just wanting to do the right thing and wanting to protect Charles from what she feels is Quinn's true nature, that she's just getting herself wrapped up in things that Maggie's trying to let her know is like, you can let this go. Like, this does not your... Your burden to bear and you can take a step back but it's just not who Liza is
0: yeah and it's similar to like Kelsey last episode saying you do not need to give her notes about her book you know you do not need to be this involved with her and with Charles and things like that I think multiple people are telling her you need to like back off have a bit of a break. And, and I agree, it must be so difficult to work with an ex. I've never had to do it. Thank God. I don't know that I would manage. I've, I think we've said before, I'm a very emotional person. I couldn't control my emotions the way she is in the office. I just don't think I have that control over myself.
2: I mean, like like back in school, like I had to sit next to somebody that I broke up with and I was just like, like, why do you have to be in my space? Like, why do I have to breathe the same air as you? But to work with somebody, to have to be professional. Like, I was in high school. Like, you're allowed to be a bitch when you're 17.
0: <laughs> well, I went to an all-girls school, so it didn't have that happen.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I was just like,
2: why do, why do we have to be... Why do we have to have the same friends still? Go away! But now, you know, like, imagine having to work with somebody, like, and just be professional. And, like, we said this, I think, the last episode. Like, to have to be going through this hurt and have to be professional. It's, it's an unfair situation to put anybody in and the fact that Liza has to go through it and have the heart that she she does have it's just not a position where she's going to come out looking good she's ultimately going to have a meltdown have a A pitch that goes badly for for whatever reason it happens here all i know is that i felt bad for the apple that liza was cutting and all this oh, was going on and with the Maggie. way she <laughs> was
0: waving that knife around as well yeah <laughs> it was like um, like I,
2: I know that maggie's tough and she's from queens and you know lives in brooklyn but um you know she, i think she would know what to do with somebody wielding a knife but i definitely felt bad for that poor apple
0: yeah no she's she's it definitely is showing i think her emotional turmoil at the moment so i hope good things are ahead for liza i think the incubator is definitely going to help with that
2: there's the spark and i mentioned it earlier there's a spark this fire that's back in liza and it's igniting kelsey as well so i like where this is going but in my heart of hearts right now if things with charles don't change like if he stays with quinn or quinn stays as a major presence in the office there's no way i think that liza can stay that being said with only six episodes to go i'm just like they can't do this to my heart like to break up the empirical family like i don't know if i would forgive them on the whole i liked the tone of this episode i liked the fact that it feels like a turning point and maybe it's because carpet bombing sarah choy was the writer behind it but um with her her bomb dropping style i like where the the vibe of this is heading
0: yeah i i think so too it'll be interesting to see how the second half of the season goes
2: so I feel like Diana needs to make a comeback
0: If she's not in an episode soon I, I feel like we need to like Get them to rewrite the whole season
2: <laughs> Kind of like when Everybody who watched Game of Thrones the last season Was just like okay we need to rewrite because HBO you did a terrible job
0: Can I just say that I, have a, I feel like The only way you're happy with this ending And I feel like a friend of mine got this Is that she was watching it In a pub with the actor That played, was it Bran Stark That came out as the king in the end he lived yeah. in the local area and he was watching it with them. I feel like in that case, the ending probably didn't seem so bad when you're celebrating with the actor from the <laughs> show, but... Um,
2: sure, you know, but if you're sitting there with Peter Dinklage, you're just like, well, what the hell? Who, who gave it
0: to him? So They had a fairly satisfying ending, but, you know, everyone else sure. was a little bit disappointed. But I was also a bit jealous of my friend that got to watch the final episode with Bran Stark. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So I need to see Diana. I need to see, I need to see Charles have his emotional moment. I think like where Liza, you know, with her Prince Vince last episode out, got her release. I think that he needs to have something to bring him back into the fold. And I really think that Quinn needs to make an exit for that to happen.
0: Oh God, I really hope Quinn makes an exit. I just i didn't even want her in this season from remember i said at the beginning i didn't want queen to be here and yet she has been such a big part of the season so far and oh, i just want her gone
2: yeah so i mean we've we've covered a lot so we've covered broadway stars we've covered fupa we've covered charles and all of this and the lack of diana and the lack of josh and
0: and the incubator wow. I and mean, there's a lot that happened maggie this, this, sorry guys this we, we, christened,
2: we christened a new term it's just a lot going on here
0: guys a lot going on So, well let's see what happens next week
2: yes I'm excited so we hope you join us back here next week we'll have another episode of Heller Good the Younger Podcast you can find us on social media at Pod Clubhouse on all the things Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from to rate, review, and subscribe, very important. It helps people find the show when you rate and review so they get as much enjoyment out of the show that you do. When you subscribe, anytime we drop a new episode, you get a notification and then you can just join right in with the hell or good fun. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Sheila. And I'm Emma. Talk to you next week.